Hello, everyone. Welcome back to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Annalise. And I'm Emily. And today is Annalise's birthday. And I'm like so excited, not just because it's my birthday, but because both of our microphones appear to be working super well. And clipping, that's the name of it. What we call the ting ting is actually called clipping. And I know this phrase, but I don't really know a whole lot about it other than it's real annoying when you can hear it. And we're just learning these things as we go. But it seems to be working right now. It's a birthday miracle. It's a birthday miracle. So thank you so much for joining us today on, we're recording this on the 23rd of September, 92323, baby, Mm -hmm. and I am 23 years old now. It's your golden birthday. Yes, my golden birthday, or plus a few, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel 23 in my heart. That's right. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm feeling feeling 23. 23 as fuck. Um. Like I don't know anything and like I probably uh, like I'm just starting out in life and holy shit, I wish I uh, had spent a little bit more time as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I got that truck. That mm-hmm. all tracks. Yeah. Checking the boxes over here. All of them. So, hey guys, how are you doing? Hope hope you're doing all right. Hope you guys had a good week. Um, this week we are doing, um, do you remember how when we started doing the show, we used to listen to this one person's podcast. Her name was Glennon. I think I remember her. Yeah. So I we are actually going to do another Glennon episode. However, we're going to do an episode that predates We Can Do Hard Things. Um, this episode aired on July 5th, 2021. And it was on the Man Enough podcast. As far as we know, no one's dead. I don't know if our very fancy mics picked up that uh, barking and then screaming, but we just double checked to make sure nobody was dead. Yeah, those were screams of joy. The joy. joy. Of That's exactly what children sound like, yeah. blood-curdling screams. I don't necessarily, I'm not saying I find it joyous, but. No, but when children are having fun, it usually uh, yes. involves a level of discomfort mm. to everyone else around mm-hmm. them. And we love them. So anyway, um, she was on the podcast called Man Enough by Justin Baldoni, and he has two co-hosts, and I, Liz Plank is one of them, and the other one, I did not write his name down, so I don't remember what it is. I'm just looking up Justin Baldoni because- Oh, he was on Jane the Virgin. He's also a director. Um, I think he's had two documentaries. I, th- I want to I say one of them was called Clouds. Can I tell you two more interesting facts about Mr. Baldoni? Sure can. He and I share a birthday. <gasps> a, a single year apart. So wait, we're, you are, guys are both Aquariuses. You're both born on January 24th. And he's married to an Emily. So Justin and Emily. Oh my, oh my God. And your husband's name is Justin. Hot uh-huh. Justin. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Wait, his, his wife has dark blondish hair just like you do. And he has dark hair just like. Well, hot Justin used to. So maybe there's a little mutual stardust here. Definitely mutual stardust. And you know what? This Justin Baldoni is a very sweet and emotional guy too. And um, I may or may not draw some parallels between other Justins that we know Mm -hmm. with that. All right. Well, what I know of him so far... I like. Yeah, he's. I read his book. Um, I think I actually read his book after I listened to this podcast episode. And this was kind of interesting for me to listen to a second time around because I I picked the episode um, and I listened to it right after it came out. And that was right around some time when you guys know how I felt because I won't shut up about it. There was a breakup that may have been happening, like a, a stage of breakup. When isn't there? But um 
and listening to this podcast because I had just read Untamed. I'm putting my party hat back on. I just listened to Untamed and I listened to this podcast episode and it really challenged the way I thought about feminism and how um, women relate to men and interpersonal conflict between men and women. Um, And I remember listening to the episode at the gym and stopping and texting, I believe texting you a quote um, or, and I definitely also put it on Facebook. I may or may not have texted it to you, but I definitely put it on Facebook. Our texts should really be archived for the Smithsonian, but they unfortunately should. I'm only just now having that thought. So, you know, for a long time, I, I, I didn't have it set to where like they automatically delete after one year. And then my phone's like, hi, do you need a terabyte of st- storage for your phone? Mm-hmm. Because if you want to save all these text messages and photos that you take, you should probably pick one or the other or get just start dragging around a laptop to hook up so that you have more hard drive space. So I set it so that um, they would auto-delete after one year, and I regret that often. Mine disappear after a month. What? Mm-hmm. Ew. Am I a serial killer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Of text messages, uh-huh. show. Um, but I remember listening to it and going like, "Oh my god, this is a this is a thing that I need to dive into." And then I um, got on the wait list for Justin's book, Man Enough, and I listened to it, and um, I cried so much while listening to the book. Um, it well, it it was as a parent of a male passing person. Um, it was really big for me. It was also eye-opening for me in um, relation to the person that I had broken up with and why they act the way that they do. It was actually very um, eye-opening for me when I think about um, my ex-husband mm-hmm. and the way, from what I understand, some of his experiences as a kid, it really gave me so much more empathy and compassion and just like, I was just like, oh, wait, I made big assumptions about what it's like to be a man based on what I've observed. Right. And I was <laughs> wrong. I think one thing that we're realizing after listening to this episode is that a lot of the assumptions that I make are based on the system of masculinity, mm-hmm. not necessarily on men themselves. And you know what? I, I, and I, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. And let's just get into it then. Because a lot of the things that we believe about the systems of masculinity and patriarchy, pretty on the nose. I mean, they're supported by a lot of data and evidence, but that doesn't necessarily speak to the human beings Mm -hmm. who we know in our lives. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to get into it. Uh, also, but, though, I do want to mention that uh, uh, I listened to that book quite a while ago, and um, but I've recently gotten back into Justin's work because he essentially wrote a new version of Man Enough for kids called Boys Will Be Good Humans, and I have uh, been listening to that with Jack, and so we've been listening to it together. Um, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. I think mm-hmm. it's meant for a little bit older. Um, Jack's 10 in, in January and some of the content might be a little, um, ma- not mature, like explicitly mature, but just 
a lot of like puberty and and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of that might be, but but that is stuff that Jack and I have always always talked about and already talked about. It's a it's a good book. I'm glad to know that that's out there. Yeah, I'll check that out for you sure. Cer- definitely should. Um, okay, so let's get into it. Do you have a quote? I don't. Okay. My first note is I'm the freaking male version of this. <laughs> Which happens to be a quote. Yes. But that's not the intended purpose. This is an excellent, I think, example too of one of the things I like about Glennon. She is her she is unapologetically herself. Mm-hmm. And I I honestly think I would love to hear a reiteration of this interview now, three mm-hmm. years two two years later. Because I, I think Glennon is a different person now than she was when this, when she made these, a lot of these statements or said these things. Well, and she even said when she spoke this quote that she has updated her yeah. position about this. Because the quote came about, she was, I think, touring for Untamed mm-hmm. and men who were in the audience would ask, where can I find the male version of this, mm-hmm. of Untamed? And at the time, she would say, I'm the male version of this. Mm-hmm. You don't need a male author mm-hmm. in order to find yourself in this book because women find themselves in books written by men all the time. I had that written down too, um, that she, we don't not read a book or evaluate or evaluate, value it just because it's not specifically and just com- written for women. Mm-hmm. We don't just like then completely write it off. Right. For the, since the dawn of time, we have taken work that was created by men and for men and about men and learned how to, I mean, she talks about this when she gets into the Christianity and learn how to take out the bits that are relevant to us mm-hmm. because there was no other option. Right. Right. And I, yeah, I saw that written down too, where she said, I am. Yeah. But then. And then she finds Justin's work. And actually, it sounds like she helped him quite a bit as he was making this book. Yeah, she was a mentor to him. I didn't realize that. That's and so, so now cool. she tells people, this is the male version of Untamed. Yeah, there were so many. That's one of the things that Liz mentions. Um, and I want to, I have not read her book. Uh, one of his, his, co-host Liz Plank wrote a book called For the Love of Men. Mm-hmm. And I um, that's going on my list now because I have not read that. But she talks about the universal themes between the two books. Um, that There are just so many connections and that they go hand in hand. And it's really all about freeing ourselves from the cage. And I think later on in the episode, Justin talks about if untamed is about freeing yourself from your taming, then um, man enough is about freeing, like unchaining mm-hmm. yourself, freeing mm-hmm. yourself from your chains. Yeah, I which had that the, in my notes too. The armor that is protecting men that men men are forced to wear, right? That keep them from being authentic and from feeling themselves and being embodied. So I guess I did have a quote. Okay, you did. You did mm-hmm. have a quote. Look at that. That worked perfectly. <laughs> um. The next thing I have is keep your exclamation points because you can't win anyway. Yep. You're either not enough or you're too much. The way we punctuate. Mm-hmm. And then I said, is this unique to women? 
And then I said, how would a man handle this? Because this is a question that, you know, I've discussed before. We've discussed before. Sometimes if I find myself in a situation, particularly when it comes to like professional conduct or something, um, I ask myself, how would a man handle it? And obviously I wouldn't know because I'm not a man, but I can look to men um, that I have seen as models and figure out from that how have i have how have i seen men handle similar situations before and a reframe that i'm trying to do maybe in situations like that is how would patriarchy reward this or how would masculinity reward this yeah because what he's saying that i'm trying to internalize is that so many of the things that we think of as quote unquote manly mm-hmm. are just a performance of mm-hmm. patriarchy yes. and masculinity, which does reward a lot of things in a professional environment. Mm-hmm. She says, we tell women to act more like men, but we don't tell men to act like women. And then really what it is, though, is how men are forced to act. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. was just acting. Right. And we haven't uncovered the truth yet. Oh, no, wait. That's something different. Um, but okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out. I- I'm going to ask you first because that's what I do. I make you uncomfortable and that's why this relationship works. <laughs> I can almost guarantee that my response is going to be, I need more time with this. Yeah. Well, but throw it at me and then maybe let me simmer with it a little bit. When you hear the word masculinity, is it a thumbs up or a thumbs down for you? Uh, my gut reaction these days is more of a thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was kind of what I suspected. Mm-hmm. And um, I am, I see you and hear you and I make space for that. I want to go ahead and and say, I I don't think it has to be a thumbs down. Mm-hmm. And I'm not no, saying I think you you're right. Yeah. I think just like, oh God, this is just, oh man, if the... I'm too pretty to do math. Didn't revoke my feminism card before this mic. I am, I am, I am currently getting curious about the idea that maybe patriarchy, at its fate on its face, mm-hmm. is not necessarily a bad thing, because she talks about this a little later about what is what patriarchy actually is. So Say I don't more. know. Well, I don't know if I'm ready to say more. <laughs> okay, just that's all right. In that, that it's similar to kind of like cap, cap, capitalism and versus socialism and the extreme version of any of those mm-hmm. things. Or maybe it's not even the extreme version. It's just the muddy version, the yeah. version that has been manipulated and um, put down so much, or or that's been that has just been mutated mm-hmm. like you know they talk about late stage capitalism and that's not the same what we're living in is more like late stage or end stage capitalism mm-hmm. versus when maybe when capitalism started out and this is a result of greed and how there are examples of socialism in other countries uh, i guess you know um korea would be one of them north korea where that is that is a perverted mutated version mm-hmm. of socialism so i think it's possible that something similar has happened to patriarchy, but it probably happened like maybe right away. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not going to say that if it's attributed to masculinity, 
then it's something that needs to be um, pushed away. No, I agree with that. And I don't, I try not to use masculinity and patriarchy Mm. interchangeably. It's hard though. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And I think that, okay, so we talk about toxic masculinity and I think we've mentioned this before. Maybe I have mentioned this, but in his book, actually, um, one of the very first things that Justin Baldoni says is, um, I don't believe in toxic masculinity or that men are toxic. I believe that we're suffering from the very thing that we help perpetuate. He doesn't like to use the phrase toxic masculinity because that insinuates that there is a version of masculinity that is toxic. It's not that we don't, that's not that there's toxic masculinity. It's that they're just bad people. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's a perversion of masculinity Mm -hmm. that has been falsely elected to represent maybe what it is. I don't believe that all masculinity is toxic. Right. right. I would go that far. And he likes, I mean, and, and I think from what I remember, he he would argue that it's not toxic. It's not masculinity that's that's toxic. Mm-hmm. So it's not even it's just not toxic masculinity. They're like toxic masculinity doesn't exist because it's just toxicity. You know what I need to see? I need to look up the Webster's dictionary definition of masculinity. You should do that on your phone because you know my computer's gonna die. <laughs> gonna die. I'm gonna do that right now. Yeah, we're doing our best here over at We Can Do Pod Things. Um, we did get our microphones to work and we're super proud of that. Um, but somebody left her power cord at home um, and that would be me. So when she says this, uh, a lot of this stuff about um, we tell women to act more like men, but we don't tell men to act like women and and there's no such thing as masculinity because the the attributes that have been categorized as masculine don't have aren't masculine necessarily. And I, I push back on that a little, but like also at the same time, yes, I think that's true. I think it's it's the other co-host. I'm gonna have to look his name up because I can't just keep calling him the other co-host the whole time. So I think your reaction to the word masculinity depends on what definition you're using. Oh, and I'm no, finding that possibly be right. Right. So I'm finding a couple different ones. The first one is qualities or attributes regarded as characteristic of men or boys. That seems pretty harmless. Innocuous. Mm-hmm. Another one is social expectations of being a man. Ooh. I don't love that one. Yeah. And that one well, that's, evokes some different feelings. Yeah. That is, and I, that really, that does go, that aligns with something Glennon says about when she's talking about patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Heath is the other co-host. There's three hosts of the Man Enough podcast, Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and Jamie Heath. And Jamie at one point had said, because they were talking about like when you're in a lesbian relationship and you're both women and like both of you are scared of spiders, like who kills the spiders? And like one of you has to take on the masculine traits. And he's like, well, I don't know. Maybe bravery doesn't have to be masculine. Like my wife is masculine and she's feminine. But also I would like to make the argument that your wife can also be masculine. Mm-hmm. Your wife can be feminine and masculine. And 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 bravery could be a masculine trait. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing inherently wrong with feminine. 
Feminine doesn't mean less than. So give, labeling something as masculine, has it doesn't give it any more inherent value. So there wouldn't be anything hurtful in saying bravery is masculine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just thinking about that. Yeah. It, it gets tricky. Because- Why can't we just call it bravery? Yes. And we don't have to assign something that's gendered to it. Okay, but we do. And this is the other thing I had to look up. Mm -hmm. And this is something they talk about. You know, there's no such thing as masculinity or femininity, which, you know, you can kind of get on board with, except that there are these concepts called the 12 universal laws of life. 12 universal laws of, yeah. And the 12th is the law of gender. Mm-hmm. Creation requires both yin and yang, both masculine and feminine energy. This is from the website wellismo.com. The 12 laws, or the 12th, 12, the law of gender. That's the website. We'll um, link it in the show notes. Sexual reproduction of species is a great example of the law of the physical world and the way that is most obvious to us. This concept applies to the energetic world as well. No creation is possible without the balance of masculine and feminine energy. And we talk about balance all the time. It is a certified bingo board item. So there is such a thing as masculine and feminine. It is. It is. It's hard because these are constructs mm-hmm. and there can be debate about whether or not constructs are real. Just like are laws real? Well, they are mm. as real as the weight and the value that we assign them in society. And that's what makes these things so confusing now because there are people who still assign these things a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. There are people who want to assign these things no weight at all. Mm -hmm. And there are people in the middle. And that's not to say that anybody is right or wrong. There's just a a difference in how people are defining what's real. What makes a construct real? Because – Damn near everything is a construct. We are in a fucking simulation as we speak. So who are we to say what is real? I mean, this is like... Oh my God, this is a thing. Oh, go. Go with it. No, I'm trying to to collect my thought. You keep talking and I'll collect my thought. So I won't be listening to you while you talk. So It's just like how we talk about when it comes to raising our children, we want to prepare them for the world and the world does expect certain things Mm -hmm. and does have certain quote unquote rules that we don't necessarily put stock into, but we want our children to be able to succeed in the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And so how do we balance what we teach them and what tools we give them? We want to allow them to disrupt the system we love a disruptor. And we also a school board member that is not qualified to be on the school board uh-huh. saying really weird and crazy things because it makes people like me go, oh, fuck, I should probably be paying attention to this stuff. It's like that meme that's like, we don't put shame around sexuality, but you have to think of a different name for your hamster other than vagina. <laughs> <laughs> How do you teach your kids to... Be free and open and sponges to these. I'm going to have to get a baby book name now because I have got some <laughs> While also, you know, you there's a, a delicate line of mm-hmm. teaching them to fit in and also break out. But we don't want to fit in. We want to belong. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Brene Brown. Okay, so what this was reminding me of was, okay, so what happened yesterday was um, I, we every year – 
um, since we started it in uh, the year of first grade. Uh, my kids' class, we have a back-to-school bonfire at our house, and we had our bonfire yesterday, and uh, today was my birthday. Um, so one of my friends, who is the mother of one of Jack's classmates, uh, stayed, and um, we stayed up late and engaged in all kinds of just fun, mind-opening activities, and we sent Emily a voice message about an idea that I have for a little um, offshoot of the podcast, a little spin-off, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we were talking specifically about addiction and who are we to say when someone is addicted? Mm -hmm. Is it one glass of wine? Is it 0.08? Is it every day? Is it, I can't get through a gynecological exam without, um, without a Xanax. Mm -hmm. Who's to say, who are we to say that you're addicted? Yeah. I think you're right. I think that that's very similar because it's all about your definition of a word. And Mm -hmm. it's very hard to agree with people on something when you're not even using the same definition of the word. How many times have I told you about arguments that that I've had Mm -hmm. that were especially hurtful to me where you go, I don't think you, I think you guys aren't even talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's because you and they are misunderstanding or you have a different understanding of this word than they do. Mm-hmm. And really, that that that's kind of just all misunderstandings mm-hmm. in general, right? Yeah, most of the time. Wow. So having said that, do, uh, what do you, where do you want to go to next? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I do. Okay, so when, what I was saying earlier is where she says, I have been looking at this problem when there's a the, – professionally – like a family meeting. Well, if we have a problem, it's just because we haven't uncovered the truth yet. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, but maybe we aren't meant to uncover the truth. Some things aren't knowable. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that. And I, I especially struggled with that at the time in my life when I first listened to this with if I'm not understanding something, and for her it was in relation to she was called difficult because she was exploring this professional route and wanting to make sure that she understood things, and so she was trying to call these meetings and so that she could under- talk to people and like everyone could be on the same page, and she was told, you got to be careful. You're going to be labeled as difficult. And she was like, okay, well, all I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to understand things because I have this belief that all things are knowable. But maybe things aren't knowable. Mm-hmm. Some things aren't knowable. And that I still reject that in my whole core being. <laughs> and also, it's true. Mm-hmm. There are going to be things that you just aren't able to know. And the sooner we um, come to accept that, mm-hmm. I guess, the better. Yeah. I'm wondering if. Glennon and I are sort of the same in that. Obviously. Uh, yeah. 10 out of 10. Me, Glennon, Justin Baldoni. Mm-hmm. Same people. All of us. Um, I'm a little jealous of all the mutual stardust. <laughs> but I wonder if we don't necessarily have to understand all the things, but we have to ask enough questions to make peace with our misunderstanding mm. of the things. Well, this is grief. Mm-hmm. This is Colbert and Cooper and grief. This is, I don't have to be, I don't have to want the thing to have happened. I 
And I'm not saying you have to get there. Mm-hmm. I just, and I'm not saying I know how to get there. I'm just saying if I can get there, if I can accept this, my life is better. So if I can accept that some things are going to be not knowable, mm-hmm. what questions do I ask to get myself to the closest thing I'm going to get in the healthiest way? Yeah. For me and maybe Glennon and maybe Justin. <laughs> I can't I need, speak for the other triplets. I, I, I can't, but I need the space to be able to ask questions until I'm satisfied with my unknowing. Mm, mm, my unknowing, yeah. And mm. that gets Glennon to be called sometimes difficult. And that may or may not have led to me being called someone who isn't a team player. Oh, yeah. I mean, what she says... What I learned was, oh no, I just lost my bookmark. Because she says, what does difficult mean? I'm just trying to understand things clearly. Mm -hmm. And so if all I'm doing is trying to understand, and that is, that is difficult and too much for people, then, then I'm, there's something wrong with me. I'm not enough. Cause I think that, that her answer for that was given because they ask all of their, um, guests, when was the last time you didn't feel enough? Because Justin's whole thing is about enough, man enough. Um, brave enough. All, mm-hmm. It's all about enoughness. And she said that it was the, the, the situation where she was exploring this specific um, avenue in her career. And if, if I'm being difficult because I'm just asking questions because I just want to make sure I understand everything that these things that it seems like everybody else understands, mm-hmm. I'm missing something. I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough or I'm not intuitive enough or intelligent or, or mature or whatever. I'm not enough. Yeah. I sat with something like this and what I arrived at is, again, it's about the definitions that we're using. Mm. And if you are defining someone who's easy or someone who's a team player as someone who gives you unquestioned loyalty and obedience, then... I guess I'm not your team player. Yeah. Okay. And so that goes to where she says, if I'm feeling too small, maybe I'm just in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. And I know we've talked about stuff similar to that before. I've talked about, um, personally, I, I have kind of adopted this. If I'm, if I am begging for space at a table where I used to sit comfortably, then maybe it's time for me to excuse myself from Mm -hmm. the table and go find a different one. Even if I have to build it myself. Right. If this is the kind of team that you want, then you're right. I'm not mm-hmm. your team player. No, nope. not your girl. I'm doing the best that I can with the tools that are available to me. And if my best isn't good enough for you, then I am not cut out for this job. Yeah. And you should go find less. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I don't know. <laughs> less, but also go find less. If I'm too much for you, go find less. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's next? <laughs> this wasn't in the podcast, but I guess I have another quote. Okay. Let's hear it. When I found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I lost interest anyway. Oh my God. Is that from Barbie? It is. (laughs) And I love it so much. I think it's my new favorite movie quote. It is great. That is great. Uh, I lost interest. That's very Tina Belcher also. If you haven't seen Barbie yet, you guys, but you're interested in the content of this episode, can I suggest (laughs) that you go see Barbie? 
just have an open mind like and, and just yeah it, it's good it's really good Here's and the it thing, you're not going to a unexpected Disney movie. right you're not you, and this is not any of the barbie movies you watched as a kid mm-hmm. you're an adult so watch an adult watch a movie um that um i don't know there's no way for me to say i mean honestly if you haven't seen it already then maybe it really isn't for you <laughs> but <laughs> so good and for that line alone when i found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses i lost interest <laughs> anyway was that um um it Alex? was ken it was ken yeah it was at the end when they're having their big spoiler alert they're having their big come to Jesus, him and Barbie. Really? Yep. He said that? He I did. I thought that was Al- Alec. I thought it was Alec. Alan. Alan. But okay. Um, yeah, I think I was just so by the, I was just in tears by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. That, uh, okay. So I do, I want to get to this, this thing um, where she says, I'm talking about the patriarchy patriarchal system we have set up not in which men rule because i think that is a pretty common did we die we did but i don't know i mean it says as we're recording so we'll see if we have more than 34 <laughs> this is up this has happened before um the screen shut off it went into sleep mode so mm. we'll i don't know if it stopped recording or not but we'll find out um so the patriarchal system that we've set up not in which men rule because i think that's a common definition of patriarchy is 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 when we try to simplify it um to explain to to kids, for example, this concept that um, patriarchy is where men rule or men are better, mm-hmm. or men are in charge. It's not that. And then we overcorrected and we made it girls rule and, and boys drool. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's fun because it rhymes, but also when we know better, we do better. Right. Um, she says it's not that this rule or this this system in which men rule, but where the characteristics that we have labeled as masculine rule certainty power power over people dominance preferring preferring power over people Mm -hmm. um not negotiating that being sensitive equals a failure that those are masculine and the things that are more feminine like curiosity gentleness compassion mercy um that those are weaknesses and i'm rolling that around in my head still Mm -hmm. because there love there ha- there there's light and dark there has to be yin and yang so mm-hmm. there has to be a masculine and a feminine feminine hippopotamus but why are we saying that the masculine traits are the ones that rule mm-hmm. or the preferable ones and i i think i like that definition of patriarchy a bit better yeah you can use it for good or evil so how is it being used? Do we need a better definition? Yeah. Okay, so we have gotten to the part. Well, we're getting we're we're at the part because I'm saying we're at the part where the quote that stuck out with me the most that made me go back and um um say I think we should look at this one. One of the questions is how can men support women becoming mm-hmm. untamed? So many good nuggets. So, so many good nuggets because um, Glenn and I, I think kind of is an external processor like we are. And so she says a lot of things in here that's that's really great. But the thing that I put a star around 
the thing I put a star around was she says, you know what? I think here's what I need you guys to know. We're good. Mm -hmm. We've been handling our shit for forever. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. But we're good. Mm -hmm. What would be really great is if you guys figured out your shit. Right. Go to therapy. Read the books. Sit with your own shit. Deal with it so that you become safer. Because when you become safer, my the whole world. Right. But especially my world becomes safer. And I that is that that is it. it. And she also talks about this being also the answer to racism. Mm-hmm. And that racism isn't a black people when it comes to racism. It's not a problem that black people have that white people need to solve. Because whiteness is the problem. Right. Like, like, like racism is a white people problem. Mm-hmm. It is a problem that white people have when it comes to relating to black people. Yes. I want to update that. White supremacy is the problem. Right. Not whiteness. Right. But white supremacy is the problem. It is a problem to be solved mm-hmm. by white people. Yes. Or whoever is the dominance, um, the, the supposed dominant race mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna culture. get the quote all wrong but it's something about i need you to realize that your liberation if you're is here tied. to help me mm-hmm. you're wasting your time if you're coming because your liberation is tied to mine let us begin mm-hmm. who said that do you know i meant to look that up i want to say it was dr angelou but i'm not sure oh that sounds right we need to know you that keep going right. um she also talks about the best thing that she can do for her daughters is go straight to the boys, get to the boys earlier, talk to boys. And that really resonated with me as a mother of a male presenting human. Um, and at the time, Jack hadn't really um, made a decision or any kind of thoughts about his own um, gender identity and whether or not he was he, he, or he, they, or they, them, or um Go, is get to the boys is you teach the boys how to deal with their shit because it shouldn't be something that that girls have to manage and navigate along with their own oneness and their own wholeness and embodying she also talks about how when a woman becomes untamed a man feels smaller and men and justin talks about this in his book as well how men think they want an untamed woman woman women until they get one. And then they're like, oh, oh, no, that's not what I meant. Oh, shit. Wait a minute. We think it means we want this strong, powerful, independent woman until we have the strong, powerful, independent woman and we realize what that means. That means that this person that I am choosing isn't going to just roll with whatever it is I say. Sometimes that's fun. Sometimes it's fun to have that friction and that debate and that yin and yang and that pushback and iron sharpening iron. And sometimes it's not fucking fun because it's it's not just a practice for me. It's not just a abstract thing. It's an actual, oh shit, no, now I have to actually do some work and that's not so fun for me. So maybe mm-hmm. I don't actually want an untamed and powerful woman because it require and, and the same can be said for women in reverse. It requires me to then stop and realize that if this person isn't doing this thing, then I have to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And is that a thing I don't actually want to be doing? Right. Or does that actually take away my power mm-hmm. if they are doing a thing that, that I typically do? Right. 
does that take away my power or control? And, and that comes from scarcity. Mm-hmm. That's if we're functioning from a source of scarcity that there can only be one on top, one person winning. And women's empower. we need to reframe women's empowerment as being a woman's issue. And it's also a lot like this, that like the saying on human rights is not like a pie. Mm-hmm. D- it doesn't. If I have a bigger piece, it doesn't mean you get a smaller piece. Exactly. It doesn't mean there's less for you. So I think that's really important because we are so tempted because it is easier to make things black and white and dialectical and, or well, not dialectical. Well, yeah. It's tempting to do. It's tempting because we, we need absolutes because there are, there are, there have to be some absolutes somewhere. Why do you feel smaller just because I'm whole? This is about then you're making it about you and not about me. I am guilty of this in my relationship sometimes Mm. when Justin is brave enough to be vulnerable and sometimes it gives me the ick and it's because it challenges the idea that he's got to be the strong, invincible protector in our family. And if I'm like, Oh no, if he's not, does that mean it's got to be me? Cuz I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, spot on. Mm-hmm. I'm not laughing because it's funny, but I'm just laughing because this is something that men and women have in common. Mm-hmm. Because we talk about this as women and mothers. I've I've talked about it before where one phrase that used to just get me real riled up was, I'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. Or don't worry about it. No, I do worry about it. Because you say you'll take care of it, but you don't actually take care of it. You know who takes care of it is me. Mm-hmm. And if you're not paying attention to this thing and you're not worried, I'm not worried about it. That that's another, I'm not worried about it. Okay, cool. If you're not worried about it, then that means I have mm-hmm. to be worried about it. Because if you're not worried about it, it's not going to get taken care right. of. Right. This is that. Mm-hmm. This is that same thing, but in reverse. Yeah. And, and where um, when it becomes inconvenient for women is when we're like, oh, can you go get the cars? I don't want to go out in the rain. Mm-hmm. That's the manly thing to do. That's the chivalrous thing to do. Do Glennon's like, I'm not taking the fucking trash out. Right. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. It's gross. Okay. I'm generally not a fan of the phrase you can't have your cake and eat it too because fuck that. Why on earth would you have cake if you weren't planning on eating it? That's some psycho shit right mm-hmm. there. But this is also a little – we don't get to benefit from feminism only as much as we – it isn't uncomfortable or inconvenient for us. Yeah. I think we're in the bringing it to consciousness phase, mm-hmm. some of us. Mm-hmm. and. That's a step. It's an important step. We're not racing to the finish line, but we're making steps. I think it would be easier, too, if we could just have some buy-in that there are more people, more men that maybe acknowledge that this is happening, Mm -hmm. that we, we didn't feel like it had to be shouting all the time to be believed Mm -hmm. because there were more people saying, Hey, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. We're working on it. We know the polar bears are dying. Mm-hmm. We see you. It's just acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. 
And then maybe we wouldn't be so bitter about here's another emotional labor that I have to do. Well, and for the for the guys, for the dudes, I think it's important that we acknowledge that we're sending them some mixed signals. Yes. Because we sit around, at least I do, and I'm like, we're not asking for a lot here. We're just asking you to try to know yourself. Well, in fact, knowing yourself is kind of a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. We're just asking you to be vulnerable. That's not such a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big it deal. Is. The stuff that we're asking them to do is not easy. It's hard enough for women to do it. And society is a little bit more accepting of our healing journey. Mm-hmm. Yes, we've talked about this. It's so, okay for women to talk about mental health. And yeah. it's okay for women to be, you know, we talk about how important mental health is mm-hmm. for women, but that focus isn't isn't necessarily reciprocated for men just yet. Right. And that's a big, and honestly, when I started becoming passionate about the other side of that was after listening to this podcast and listen, and, and listening to Justin's book. Mm-hmm. And this is, this, you know, I, you know, I, I know uh, we often hear that phrase um, generally when it comes to, to sexual assault, like what if this were your wife? What mm-hmm. if this were your daughter? What if this were your sister? Why do you have to relate it to somebody that you love? Why? Why? Because that's how empathy works, guys. Mm-hmm. Because of course this stuff should have been important to me before I had a kid mm-hmm. who was male presenting, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't, it wasn't relevant it's not that it didn't matter. It just wasn't something that I spent a lot of energy thinking about until I had a reason for it to become personal. That's how empathy works. So once I started thinking about this is a responsibility of mine because I have someone that I care about that has to learn these things, that's when I bought into the idea that this isn't just a men's problem mm-hmm. or a women's problem or a them's problem. I have a friend who is trudging through the nightmare of online dating and apps. And she tells me stories about these men. And I'm like, why are the guys so unhinged? What is the matter? Well, can we blame lead poisoning? G.I. Joe. I'm not being very generous. I mean, some of the stuff that these guys do is indefensible. But a lot of the stuff that they do is because they don't live in a world where they can be anything other than a freaking disaster. Yes. And Justin talks about that in the beginning. Okay. So, so Glennon is talking about in her book where um, she comes in and asks the group of kids. Um, it's, it's mix of boys and girls. Are you hungry? The boys without even looking at the TV mm-hmm. screen answer. Yes. The girls without saying a word to each other, look at each other. And then one gets selected like mm-hmm. telepathically as the spokeswoman. And they say, no, we're good. And how, um, and this is one of the things that she doubles back on, yeah. doubles back on and, and walks back that she said in the book, it's because boys are socialized and conditioned to look in themselves, look themselves for the answer are, are conditioned to look, um, at each other. And Justin says, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in his book, he ha- he talks about um, one of his first exposures to masculinity and um, something that he had to undefine was when they were ju- getting going to jump off of a, a cliff, literally 
your friends mm-hmm. are going to jump off a cliff and they tell you to, would you too, over, you know, an ocean. But he, his body told him no. Mm-hmm. His body was like, nah, I don't want to do this. And then his buddies called him a pussy. Right. And a girl and all those other things that we say to men because God forbid you be like a woman. Mm-hmm. But then when he, that he learned that being a man meant ignoring his intuition. Yeah. And not looking within himself. Yeah, it's just circumstantial. But right. we are all following our conditioning. Mm-hmm. It was just in the situation that Glennon described, their conditioning, it, it made it easier for them to say, yeah, we'll take whatever food you have in the fridge. Mm-hmm. They were they were conditioned for her, she said, their conditioning there was to be certain. Mm-hmm. And that is that whole, that can, oh God, I didn't. I don't know that we're going to have the battery on the laptop to to get into this, but that's that whole, you can't tell me nothing. Mm-hmm. Doubling down, refusing to see anyone else's perspective. If you have been conditioned your whole entire life that it doesn't matter whether or not you're right or wrong, you just have to be mm-hmm. certain. Yeah. And that's been reinforced. And that's tied to your identity and your value mm-hmm. as a human. Yeah. No fucking wonder it's going to be hard to get people to say, oh, I don't know. I need to think about that. Yeah. Because what that means, what what their their little corrupt data centers have learned is that means you're not going to be safe yeah. because you are less. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I need to, in the interest of if we do run out of time, I've got to correct this. Um Dr. Angelou says a lot of fantastic things about liberation. However, that quote was not one of hers. And it is credited to Lilla, L-I-L-L-A. I I am assuming that's Lilla. Could be Lila Watson. Hmm. But she herself does not like to take credit for that quote because she says that she had been part of an aboriginal rights group in Queensland so I'm not sure where we got cut off because my beloved children came in with urgent requests that they had to make from me. It was about a bracelet. <laughs> but uh, Lilla Watson does not like to take exclusive credit either for that quote because she says she was part of an Aboriginal rights group in mm. Queensland. They came up with the phrase together. Mm. So that is the history of your quote. Can you read it again? If you're coming to me, if you come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you're coming because your liberation is tied to mine, let us begin. And for my kids, if you're coming here for my help, you're Just wasting don't. your time. You're wasting everybody's time. Just don't. <laughs> you gotta go. Yeah. Be busy. Listen, if I'm helping you, then that means I'm not doing something else that I want to be doing. <laughs> but I love you. Save it for later. Save it. Um, any final thoughts? Um, I do want to tell. I want to talk about like maybe a maybe a core um, patriarchal memory for mm-hmm. me, or maybe um, I don't know, but it's a core memory of uh, deprogramming. And we used to watch this one of these this TV this TV show, and I won't mention which one it was or who the actors were because I don't. I think when we know better, we do better. But the the characters were it was a, a husband and wife, and they loved each other very much. Um, Typical husband and wife spats and problems. And in one TV show, one TV show, one episode, she he helps her cook dinner. She asks him to help cook dinner. 
and he talks about the way that he cuts the onion and the best way to cut an onion. And she realizes later on in the show that she is less sexually attracted to him when he talks about cooking or when he's being helpful. Mm -hmm. And so she needs, in order to be sexually attracted to her husband and to love her husband, he needs to be less helpful and needs to be knowledgeable, uh, less knowledgeable about things, quote unquote, for women. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that some of the nuance of that was that, yeah, that is a fucked up thing, but it was a sitcom and it was funny Mm -hmm. and that, but that was, that was a little bit of programming that I went ahead and, and filed away that I subconsciously watered and it took root. And that's a a deprogramming that I have to go through. And that's relevant to women becoming untamed and men becoming unchained. Well, if I said Raise your hand if you never went through a bad boy phase. Not a hand in this room is going nope. up because, I mean, I'm sure we both did. And facts. Many, many, many people why. that I know. Yeah. yeah. We talked about the theories. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, I, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. You come up to me and you want to talk about cooking me dinner. It's the opposite for me. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of this TV character as the panty dropper so to speak. Ooh, I did not just say that on here. God, I hope Mr. Little doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> if he does, pretend you didn't hear that. If you heard that, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> you heard wrong. You need to get your hearing checked. Any final thoughts from you? Um, I did want to say I liked at the very end when she talks about, so where are the safe places that men can unpack some of the stuff? Mm. Because there aren't enough mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of men, if you start going to your buddies talking about this stuff, it's it's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. That's These are just the facts. So where can that happen for men? And she said books. Books, yeah. Books are where we can start to explore these things. We can learn people's stories without annoying them. <laughs> Without being too much. I love that in in that, and I think it's in his book, he does talk about um, taking a boy's weekend Mm -hmm. with his closest friends and just being absolutely terrified because it was like, hey, we need to talk about this shit and we're going to get uncomfortable because we're talking about feelings, man. We are not, we're not, this is not sports and boobs. This is other stuff and it isn't just the talking about it in the moment Mm. it is the trust that after the weekend is over your friends are not going to go talk about how vulnerable you were in a derogatory way and put you down and that's a hard thing to know if you don't have any experience if you don't have any um reason to think that they're going to be able to do that because you guys have never tried that before. This is something new. Yeah. If it's never been safe for you to be in your body Mm -hmm. embodied, then you're not going to want to do that. Yeah. And and anyone who does try to do that, that's a threat to Mm -hmm. you, but it doesn't have to be a threat. It, it's just something that stops and makes us think. And we hope that this episode has made you stop and think and um, that the conclusion you came to wasn't that you have wasted entirely too much time listening to us. <laughs> Although if you do believe so, then that is blessings on your mm-hmm. day. Um, thank you for spending as much time as you did. Uh, bye-bye. But um, yeah, what do you guys think about this episode? 
we I, talked a lot about men and what we think they think. Yeah. If you're yeah. a man and you have actual, uh, if you have something lived that you can contribute to this conversation, please, we invite you to do so. Oh my God, yes. And we won't call you out by name this time, but you know who you are. Your name starts with a C and ends with an egg. <laughs> um, I think one final thing that kind of relates to that is, is, is Glennon touches on this. Men are conditioned not to ask questions and like, oh, you can't ask for help. You can't ask question like where is something but that's not true because men do ask questions mm-hmm. but maybe men are more conditioned to ask the questions that they already know the answers to right or men are only conditioned to ask questions that don't reveal their vulnerabilities mm-hmm. so if any men out there have some questions that they would like to ask whether it's something vulnerable or something that they think they already know the answer to hit us up yeah Find us at podthingspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at we can do pod things with underscores between the words or on TikTok. Just search for we can do pod things. I don't remember what the direct at sign is. Or just stop in to wish Annalisa happy birthday. Yeah, you can do that too. I would always love that. And I, you know what else I love, Emily? Hmm. Our listeners. Me too. And you know what else I love? Hmm. You. I love you back. I love you so, so much. I love all of you guys. And I love being 36. And now I'm going to be 37, although there was a brief period of time where I was telling everyone I was 38. And somebody was like, honey, I think you need to check the math on that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I'm the Annalise one. I'm the Emily one. And this has been We Can Do Pod Things. Thank you so much. Bye.